So if you um, open your browser on your computer, you go to Google and you enter a, a word search, and you put into the, the computer the, these two words, others first, you'll get a bunch of things that, that appear, and one of the things that appears is a quote, and it's repeated many times, and the quote is this. The problem with putting others first is that you teach them you're second. The problem with putting others first is that you teach them that you're second. And I've been thinking about that, and the question that intrigues me is, is as a Christ follower, as a Christian, is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing to teach others that, that I as a Christ follower am second and I'm putting them first? Is others first, is a, a others first philosophy a God-honoring philosophy? Is that a, a, a Christian way of life? Now, I know for me and I guess for, for you that when you hear this others first idea and you kind of play that out, there's some resistance. There's some internal resistance. There's some fears and apprehensions that we have. What would happen if I truly live an others first type of life? And so I just want to take a second to explore that with you by, by finishing this sentence. If I put others first, then how would you complete that sentence? How do you complete that sentence? If you're joining us online, I'd love for you in the comments to, to write the, the completion of that, that sentence. What is our fear when it comes to putting others first? So just think, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to think, and then I'm going to tell you some of the ways I would finish that sentence. If I put others first, they're going to treat me like I come second. I don't mind serving, but I, I want to do it on my terms. I don't want to be treated like a, a servant. I want to, to serve on my terms when I want and how I want. I don't want to have people have expectations of me. Or here's another way I would complete the sentence. If I put others first, then they're going to take advantage of me. Give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. If I give others, put others first, I'm going to suffer as a result. Last, if I put others first, I'm only going to end up miserable and exhausted. I'm going to work at meeting everyone else's needs and my own needs won't get met. So I wonder if those resonated with you, if, if that was similar to how you might have ended the sentence. We live in a world that runs on the fuel of me first. We live in a me first world. So to live into this others first way of life is a radical countercultural way to live. And so naturally, we're going to have some fears, we're going to have some reservations when it comes to an, an other first uh, way of life. But the, the question really before us is, does God call us to that? Does God call us to an other's first way of life? This morning, we're going to begin a five-week sermon series, and, and the series is really around the idea of being a servant, that we are called to be a servant. But, 
But underneath a servant is, is this, this impulse, this willingness to, to elevate others, to lift them up. A couple years ago, I did a little work around the question, what are the marks of a disciple? If somebody is a disciple of Jesus Christ, what should we expect to see uh, in their life? And I came up with eight marks, and, and I'll, share, I'll save seven for another sermon, but one of the eight marks is, is being a servant. Christ followers show up in this world as servants. So we're going to begin this series. Join me as we pray. Father God, you know all of our fears and our apprehensions uh, around this idea, really, of loving other people and serving others and, and putting others first. And I pray over the course of the next couple of weeks that you would fill us with your truth so that we are ultimately led by you and not just swept along in the me-first current of our culture. And I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, I just want to zero in on the question, does God really call us to an other, other's first type of life? Uh, and to answer that question, we're going to look at one passage of Scripture. It comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them and follow along. Uh, if you don't, the words are going to be on the screen. So we're going to start uh, Philippians 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. I know that's not a full sentence, but we're going to stop there. If you have any encouragement from being united with his Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if you've experienced any tenderness and compassion. So Philippians is a letter that Paul is writing to a church in Philippi. And he begins by presenting them these, these if cases. We're going to call it A. If A, and he's going to continue the passage by saying, if A, then, then B. So before we get to the B, let's talk about the A. What's the A? Any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort in that, any fellowship with others that you've experienced as a result of his spirit, have you experienced tenderness and compassion? Basically, what I think Paul is saying is, if being a Christian has been a good thing, you know, if this is a net positive in your life, being a child of God, being reconciled to him, being forgiven of your sins, being part of a, a church family, the family of God, experiencing the comfort of God when we go through those trials, if you would say that that's been a good thing, I think that's what Paul's saying. So before we get to the B, let me ask you, how would you answer him? Would you say, yes, it's been a good thing to be a, a child of God. It's been a good thing to be reconciled to him, forgiven of my sin. It's been a good thing to be part of the family of God. I, I have a, a, a suspicion that because you're here, you'd probably say yes. That overall, that's been a net positive in my life. And so for you, we need to key in, then what? What's the B? If A, then B. So let's follow along. 
I'm going to repeat it one more time. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look out to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, what I've noticed when I looked at the A and the B is that the A is all about our relationship with God. And the B is about our relationship with one another. And, and simply stated, that there's a relationship between the two. If we are, are reconciled to God and we are children of God, that has implications for our relationship with other people. Have you ever had the uh, experience of, of meeting someone for the first time and in your spirit, you just, you just know that that person is a believer? Have you ever had that experience? How, how is that possible? Well, I think a couple things. I, want, I think on one level, it's a spiritual reality. Deep calls to deep, and there's something in our spirit that, that bonds with, with Christ in somebody else's spirit. But there's also a, a little bit more of a, a surfacey uh, level to that is that, that Christ followers show up in this world in a particular way, and we've learned to recognize it. And when we see somebody uh, acting in a certain way, there's something in our mind that says, I wonder if they're a believer because it sure looks like it. Now, that is not to say that people who are not Christ followers can't show up in this world in good ways. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when, when we see certain traits, there's something in us that says, I think that might be a Christ follower. It's because our relationship with God has implications for our relationship with one another. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Look not just to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Me first is not a Christian way of life. Me first is not a Christian way of life. And, and one of the problems with me first is the word first quickly goes away. You know, the idea between me first is eventually I'll get to you. But you stay in the me first column and pretty soon it's just me. It's a, it's a life devoted to, to me. Now, every single one of us, we probably were able to, to finish that sentence I asked. If I put others first, then. We have fears we have apprehensions. Yes, we must take care of ourselves. Paul is not saying ignore your own needs. Uh, you know, do everything for everyone else and, and, and never attend yourself. He says that we should take care of others the same way that we take care of ourselves. As you look to your own interests, look also to the interests of others. Well, how does that work? How, how do we learn this? And, and I think it is something that learned. Me first comes instinctively. Comes pretty naturally. But, but to put in others first, that's something I've got to learn. 
And, and what we're going to see as we continue the passage is that it begins with our attitude. It begins with our attitude about putting others first. When I asked you to, to finish that sentence, if I put others first, then we were focusing on the negative. We were kind of bringing an attitude to that question like, yeah, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong. I'm going to get taken advantage of. People are going to have expectations of me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be miserable. I could ask you that question, though, and we could approach it with a whole different attitude. Approaching it from an attitude of blessing, that this is a good thing, and God is going to bless us. If I put others first, then how might we comp uh, complete the sentence? If I put others first, then I'm going to be able to encourage a whole lot of people. I'm going to be able to bless and minister a whole lot of people. If I put others first, then I'm going to glorify God, and Jesus is going to shine his light through me. If I put others first, I'm going to be blessed because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. If I put others first, I'm going to be a person in whom people can trust and confide, and my circle of relationships is going to grow. It's just a, a difference in attitude. Your attitude, continuing the passage, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So if we want to answer the question, does God really call us to, to live an others-first type of life, we've got to look to Jesus. Because Jesus is not only our Savior, he's also our guide. And so if we want to live the, the Jesus life, the, the, the Christ life, we look to him as an, our, our example. And the scripture says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So what was Jesus' attitude? Well, let's continue reading. Who being in the very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If there was ever a person who was justified in showing up in this world uh, as a me-first person, I think it would be Jesus. Jesus, the, the second member of the Trinity, the one who sits on a throne next to God the Father, before whom angels sing, the creator of the universe, the creator of every living thing, the Almighty comes to this world, and instead of saying, me first, which he was entirely entitled to say, he shows up and lives this other's first type of life. Have you uh, seen the show Undercover Boss? I don't know if there's still new episodes of that, but it was a, a really interesting show. The premise was that a, an owner of a company usually like a multi-millionaire, billionaire owner of a company would go undercover and would work in their, their own company in an entry-level position. And so they would be taking out the trash and they would be cleaning toilets and they'd be getting to know some of the employees who work for them as, as not a, the, the boss, but as a, a peer. And they'd get to know, you know, which employees really work hard and, and which employees are, are, are slackers. And then the, the show ends with the, the reveal, and everyone finds out that the person who's been taking out the trash and cleaning the toilets is like Tom Ricketts, 
you know, like the owner of the Cubs. It's this billionaire person that I work for who signs my, my checks. Jesus is like the ultimate undercover boss, but there's a distinction. Because in that show, as soon as the reveal happens, the undercover boss goes back to the ivory tower, stops cleaning toilets, stops taking out the trash. Jesus showing up as a servant, it's not a masquerade. It's not a deception. It's not a trick. It's who he is. Jesus shows up as a servant because that is his heart. Look at some of the things that, that Jesus did during his lifetime. He bent down and he washed dirty feet. He comes as one who, whose message is the last shall be first, and the, the first shall be last. And he says, if you're invited to a meal, don't claim the seat of honor. Instead, find the, the, the lowest seat. Take that one. He says, if you want to be great, be servant of all. The disciples were arguing over which one was the best. And Jesus said, that's what others do. That's what people who don't know God do. But this shouldn't be so with you. If you want to be great, be servant of all. One of my favorite examples is just him stopping to play with children. He's not too busy, too important that he can't stop and, and play with children. When he dealt with the poor, the sick, and the needy, he wasn't also too important or too self-absorbed or too driven that, that he didn't have time for them. Whereas other people had their eyes on, on the prominent members of community, Jesus had his eyes on the 33%. In every single community, there are 33% of the people in that community who are largely invisible people that we typically don't see, people who we use the word fall through the cracks. Well, Jesus was looking for those people. Jesus lived an other's first life right up to the cross. Listen to what Paul writes, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, the worst form of death. It's probably my greatest fear in, in adopting this other's first way of life is simply that it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me. There's going to be suffering. I'm going to end up on the, the short end of the stick. And undoubtedly, there, there's some truth to that. There is a cost to showing up and living life with an other's first mentality. But God's economy works different than our economy. In his economy, the way up is down. The path to glory is the path of humility. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, Jesus said. And so Jesus humbles himself even to death on a cross. And now notice how God the Father responds. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If A, then B. So if you said yes to A, you know, like being a, a Christ follower is a good thing. 
and, and I've experienced the comfort, and, and I, I love that I'm a child of God and part of the family of God, then be. Don't be driven by selfish ambition or vain conceit, but look to the interests of others just as you look to your own interests. As the children demonstrated for us, we know pretty well what it is we want, what it is we need. But we need to be taught to live with eyes open, looking around us. What do others need? What do others want? And how can God use me to help meet a need in them? Join me as we pray. Father God, uh, we are so grateful um, that you uh, showed up on this earth, not with your eyes uh, just squarely on yourself, but, but you had your eyes on us. The reason you came to this earth was, was out of love. And Lord, that love took you all the way up to the cross. Lord, uh, you call us to, to live with our, our eyes on others. Uh, and Lord, there are so many things that um, get in the way of us uh, following through on that. And so I pray for this uh, series. I pray that uh, you would break down some strong, strongholds in all of our lives. Uh, Lord, we want to, to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.